Hello, welcome to this month's edition of the Hue Fertility Centre podcast. This month we'll be talking about male fertility preservation. I'm joined by Paul Malnaffy, biomedical andrologist, and Amanda Hall, donor bank coordinator and biomedical andrologist here at the Hue Fertility Centre. So guys, to make a start, um, what is male fertility preservation and why should I be interested in it? Okay, so male fertility preservation involves us taking a semen sample from you, you providing it to us or us retrieving it by other means, uh, in a bid to uh, freeze it, um, store it um, to, for, your, for your use in, in the future, so preserving your fertility. Um, should you about to be undertaking any kind of uh, treatment, that might leave you either subfertile or indeed uh, completely infertile. Okay, so it's not necessarily just for men who already have existing fertility problems. This is a a preemptive kind of uh, yeah, it procedure. Can be. It can be. So um, we we bank, as you just touched on, then we do bank sperm for patients who are coming through, uh, perhaps as a couple, who it's found maybe um, their uh, number of sperm output is quite low. So before they come through for, for IVFXC, they would have to leave a sample with us um, for use on the day when they, when they have their, their treatment mm. together. Um, if, they, if they do do that, that um, sample can only be stored fairly short term. And it's only stored short term because they're not about to undergo any particular treatment that might alter their fertility. Okay. So fertility preservation, I guess, is a term that's used when we have patients referred to us by outside centres, such as uh, Classbridge Cancer Centre, uh, the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Aintree, Alderhey, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, The patient, uh, male patient, has been diagnosed as uh, having some kind of um, cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So before they start on a regime of uh, uh, chemotherapy or perhaps radiotherapy on occasion, there's a lot of talk of, of newer drugs uh, that are starting to be used interferons that that kind of thing uh, they're referred over to us uh, to leave uh, between one and possibly three semen samples with us to be frozen and stored for later use whereby we've we've um, preserved their fertility mm-hmm. uh, and so when you say preserving the fertility how you know how are we going about this is it freezing or is it does it all happen in the lab what what kind of what's the process it is okay so um we will get a referral from one of these outside centers and if we're, if we're lucky enough we might have a week or two to be able to meet with the patient have them produce a sample to leave with us uh for us to freeze and store it has to be said it doesn't always happen that way we're a fairly dynamic lab uh, we always have been occasionally we'll get referrals from um clinicians who have a patient who have a particularly aggressive cancer and they only get the one visit to us uh, they only get to leave us the one sample because they need to crack on with mm-hmm. chemotherapy for the patient kind of there and then so as i say if, if we're lucky enough to have uh, a certain amount of time let's say let's say two weeks we can book uh, the the patient in we'll we'll telephone them to contact them to book in an agreeable time for them to attend uh, they'll attend, they can expect to be here for between an hour and uh, two hours. We need to take them through all of the kind of legal consent forms that the, the government uh, provide us with, the HFEA, the Human Fertility and Embryology Authority. We take them through those forms, uh, we then take them through to the discrete 
set of rooms that we have to have them produce a semen sample. Once they produce that semen sample, we have them uh, then have some uh, a little bit of blood taken off them to be screened for bloodborne viruses, and then they can go. Mm-hmm. It might be then that we see them uh, a second or possibly even a third time, dependent on what we find uh, when we're analysing that first um, semen sample. Mm-hmm. That first semen sample will then be taken round to our uh, modern um, labs, where we where we will then uh, analyse the uh, the semen sample that's left with us. We'll add a cryoprotectant to it to help the sperm survive with the harsh environments that we uh, we put it through when we're freezing the sample, and then we will uh, store the uh, frozen material in um, liquid nitrogen vapor, mm-hmm. nitrogen vapor, I should say, which is at around about minus one hundred and eighty-five degrees Celsius, and that it can be stored there. Um, for um, for a maximum of fifty five years from when it's first deposited. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So Amanda, other than the reasons that Paul's just outlined, obviously cancer being one of the main reasons, why else do we get gentlemen visitors to preserve their fertility? Uh, well, hi. We also have <laughs> um, patients coming through as part of their transitioning journey, both male and female. Um, we help them preserve their fertility, both sperm and eggs, um, prior to them starting their um, hormone therapy. Um, We ask our transitioning patients to consider how they may like to use their sperm or eggs in the future. Uh, This may involve surrogacy. Um, If you were choosing to use potentially your sperm or eggs in a surrogacy um, arrangement in the future, we may then need to screen you like a donor. Uh, Paul touched on the screening process for bloodborne viruses. However, um, we would then be using the stored gametes in a donation-style situation, which would require further additional screening to ensure uh, the health and well-being of any child born mm-hmm. through uh, the surrogacy process and also the health and well-being of the, the recipient. Mm-hmm. So for transitioning individuals, this gives them the power to be able to have their own baby, if I can use that word. I suppose they're genetically kind of linked to yeah, that baby so, that they might so they have would, in the So they could have a child that was genetically theirs, either by using... Um, donated eggs or should they have a, fe- a female or male partner they could also use their gametes mm-hmm. potentially uh, and wouldn't require surrogacy mm-hmm. um, however as part of the transitioning process you know we would like to ask our patients to consider how would they might like to use their stored gametes in the mm-hmm. future um, Sometimes it's not necessarily. However, what we're trying to do is preserve their fertility and ensure that the product that we have, that the gametes that we store, can be used and future-proofing that use. Okay. So more than anything else, it gives them the freedom and the time to make the decision. It does. I mean, uh, just an interesting point there. I noticed that Amanda um, switched between... uh, talking about freezing sperm to talking about uh, freezing gametes and said it's an important um, Just way. to clarify, gametes. Yeah. Okay, that, so that's it. So I, I find it quite interesting because, of course, both male and female um, persons do um, 
kind of produce gametes, but in males the gamete is referred to as a sperm, and in female the gamete is referred to as uh, an egg or oocyte. Okay, so it's an umbrella term for the two. It's, an under, it's, an, yeah. it's a fantastically uh, important umbrella term for both uh, sperm and, uh, and eggs. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, so moving on a little bit, we've touched on transition individuals, cancer treatments would be one of the main reasons, probably the two main reasons why we treat people for, or sorry, we, we undergo male fertility preservation. We know that um, social egg freezing, to use a, a kind of a tabloid term, it is, is becoming more popular for women. Do men take up this opportunity? Do men they, freeze their They sperm? do, they do. So um, there's different avenues that a, a male can take. Um, some are funded by the NHS, some, some are funded on a self-funding um, basis. I'm trying to think of um, a quick rundown of other patients that we may have seen. Um, in the past, we've had males uh, referred to us who are about to uh, be sent away to a theatre of war okay, okay. Yeah. so the MOD said that they would um, they would uh, help men in that situation especially if they were at an age where they were considering having children mm-hmm. okay um, we've had um, this is in case they're injured in this is in, in case they're zone. injured yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. especially yeah. with the uh, the rise in <coughs> IEDs of course um, yeah. it's been reported of injuries in certain places mm-hmm, let's say possibility. Uh, so there's those guys there's guys who um, do really really important jobs that allow them to uh, or that insist sorry that they're away from their, their home and family for quite a number of months mm-hmm. so we've had guys who've had to go away on uh, oil rigs that okay. are away for three six nine months especially if those oil rigs are elsewhere in the world um, so is this more to give them the timing of when they conceive and when they have a baby? Or that yeah, just so I guess it's not really fertility preservation in this instance. It's just if they're at an age where, uh, as a couple, they're thinking about having children, if they're missing for, for six months, nine months of the year, um, yes, it's an important role that they're performing, but um, obviously uh, their, their partner back home would, would prefer to be able to kind of maybe mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. treatments while, while they're away. Um, who else? We've had men. We've had men bank sperm prior to having a vasectomy. Okay, so obviously a vasectomy is is a good and very very important way uh, to give you the freedom to kind of you know it's natural contraceptive. It's a contraceptive. That's the word I was trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so yeah. Uh, men will bank um, sperm prior to having a vasectomy. They've they've taken the choice. Uh, to have the vasectomy uh, w- to help with contraception, mm-hmm. okay. Um, obviously, before they've been um, referred for this vasectomy, they, they've sat down and uh, talked about it with their partner, and although both parties are keen that they have this vasectomy, um, both parties are a little bit unsure whether they want the terminal kind of nature yeah, of, yeah. The, of this procedure. Mm-hmm. So we'll go on to bank sperm for, let's say, three years five years that kind of thing mm-hmm. just to make sure that they're sure yeah okay and then I guess just to summarize we've had all kinds of uh, things in between really uh, we're an important service we offer spam banking for either pr- preservation of fertility or for social reasons in inverted commas mm-hmm. um, if you have a need for us uh, that's what we're we're kind of there yeah. for so we've touched on the the the, the, the kind of most important ones but if you 
find there's a reason for you to, to, to need spam banking, you can self-refer. So the overarching point would be more that it just offers men the, just the freedom. If you freedom need and choice. To free, yes. If you need to preserve your facility, that option's there, and then you can exercise that option as best as you want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are the laws surrounding male fertility preservation? Obviously, you mentioned the HFEA. Are there any kind of strict regulations on why a man freezes a sperm, how long it can be done for, what reasons it would be used for when thawed? Okay, so as Paul touched on before, we have a consent-driven process. So part of that process is asking um, the person freezing the sperm um, how they'd like it to be used potentially in the event of their death or mental incapacitation. So if they have a partner, are they happy for us to use that stored sperm mm-hmm. to either create embryos or for an interuterine insemination? Would we able be able to store those embryos once created um, posthumously? Mm-hmm. So especially uh, with patients undergoing chemotherapy or who have had a diagnosis of cancer, it's something that they really need to think about how in the future they would be ha- happy for their partner to use their sperm. In the untimely, yeah, kind of, in, if, in, if the way it should happen. Yeah, in the event. Or, you know, as, as we say, you, know, you could walk out of here today, you could be hit by a bus... Are you happy for your partner to use your stored mm-hmm. samples? Mm-hmm. Are you happy for us to, um, you know, give that decision over to your partner mm-hmm. of how you'd like those samples to be stored? Samples can be stored for up to 55 years as well. Mm. So, um, you know, as Paul said, we have uh, refer- referrals from older hay. So, you know, children um, under the age of 16, you know, these people are young they aren't going to necessarily want to use those stored samples for another 20, 30 years. So it's really important that we have this facility um, to store these samples okay. for them up so to we, the 55-year period. We will actually free sperm from teenage boys who might be undergoing chemotherapy we treatments do, yes. as well. Yeah. We do, Fair, fairly yeah. regularly. Yeah. We have a yeah. very um, close link with all the hay. I mean, we, we have a close link with all of our referring centres. We're, we're quite good. Uh, at building and maintaining relationships with all kinds of oncology centres, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, but particularly with Alder Hay. Um, so, if uh, if anyone who's listening, if their children, uh, if their child is is facing a particularly uncertain future, mm-hmm. i.e., they've been referred there, um, it's important for them to know that our service is out there. Okay, especially with these particular p- patients. I mentioned before that uh, time is of the of the essence. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's such a kind of emotional point. You might not necessarily think of this instantly. It might not yes, be at the. Yeah. Fr- it's definitely not going to be at the forefront of your mind, but it's still important to consider. Definitely, yeah. especially for the parents, because um, they are going to have to perhaps have a conversation with their child that they never ever thought they were going to have. The child would have to listen to uh, their, their parents discussing things that the child is absolutely mortified about. Um, but it's important to have those conversations and to have those questions posed um, essentially there, there are there are various clinical tests that a doctor would perform uh, on a child to to make sure that they are mature enough okay that came off the back of a few legal cases that went went uh, through the courts many okay. decades ago mm-hmm. um, however if 
the, the, the child, if the male patient um, satisfies the, the consultant's uh, test, then he can be referred across for sperm banking. That's not necessarily age-dependent because obviously maturity uh, happens in, in at different ages for, for different yeah. children. Yeah. Um, but I think we, we may, we've definitely seen a child referred across to us who was 13. In my memory, I think we may have also had a child referred across to us who was uh, just 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, these, there, are, there are these procedures, there are these processes uh, in place dependent on the maturity yeah. that's the great and so it should be I suppose yes, that yes. They, would, they wouldn't lose that option to have their own children when they come out on the other side of it all yeah that's brilliant um, okay so we've touched on a lot of the reasons why male fertility preservation happens and why we might want to go through it say I'm a man who wants to preserve my fertility what next what do I go about who do I phone where to Okay, well, um, obviously you've made this decision. Uh, you could contact the Hugh Fertility Centre and uh, make an appointment with one of our consultants. Okay, so I don't need to go through GP? Uh, no, you can self-refer through to the Hugh Centre. Um, so you would, you would uh, contact us and make that first step. Um, it's more than likely that you would have to pay for that consultation, okay, because the... Um, it's a decision that you've made. It's not a decision that someone, i.e., another healthcare professional, has made yeah, to refer course. you to us. Yeah. So, you, you, so there's every likelihood you'll have to pay for that initial consultation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would come in and meet with one of our consultants, uh, and they would take you through uh, the consultation process, tell you what you uh, what was going to happen next for you, and then if it was agreed by all parties that the reasons why uh, you needed to free sperm. Uh, were were justified, then the consultant would uh, then essentially refer you to use our um, spam banking facility. Mm-hmm. We would contact you, um, uh, invite you in on a day which was uh, w- which is best for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the Hewitt Centre is mostly uh, just a day ward. Okay, so that will probably be between um, the hours of half eight and half four, Monday to Friday. Uh, we'd make sure all the paperwork was in place, um, all of the blood screening uh, was in place, and then we would uh, show you through to discrete facilities where we have, um, and you could produce your sample and leave it with us. Okay, okay, so you um, Okay, that's brilliant, that's really straightforward. Um, obviously, if we're talking about referrals, we're talking about people with medical conditions like cancer, they would be referred through a GP or through a specialist, as, as you mentioned usually, before. Usually, usually. Um, people with that type of diagnosis will be referred through via their oncologist. Oh, of course, um, yeah. And there is a specific funding for people in place who mm-hmm. are preserving their fertility because of a medical uh, diagnosis. So there is, it does come into NHS so that, funding... So that is covered by NHS funding. So banking for an oncological referral uh, would come under NHS funding. However, using that sperm in treatment would be down to your um, clinical commissioning group, your CCG. Um, You and your partner then would have to meet their criteria in order to use that stored sperm in and that, and that varies across the and country. And that varies across the countries, yeah. Across the UK, yeah. 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 
Okay. Um, so moving on a little bit, what I wanted to touch on finally was why the Hugh Fertility Centre? Why would I come here uh, maybe to, well, why would I come here to have my fertility preserved? Um, we've been operational for for decades, haven't we? I guess we've been banking spam for many almost thirty years now. Yeah, for the we're Hughes. coming up to our thirtieth year celebration. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. Um, so uh, and around, so yeah, we've been we've been operational for around about thirty years. Around about ten years ago, we had a major refit of the Hewitt Centre. As I say, the lamps that we have here um, are fantastic. Um, the um, the staff we have here are are uh, highly trained. Um, We've got dedicated team members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Facilities wise, we have you know the 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 Hugh Facility Centre has all the kind of um, the bells and whistles. To use a, a loose it term. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We invested quite a lot in our sample production rooms. Um, didn't go down well when we when we first did it, but uh, I. I, I'm proud of the facilities that we mm-hmm. have here um, compared to other centres um, that I know of our facilities here for sample production and for storage um, reasons and for storage well. reasons are, are fantastic we have a large um, we have a large uh, kind of donor bank mm-hmm. if we were to use that uh, that phrase I suppose um, I think it's also important to touch on as well um, we have dedicated laboratory facilities as well for virus positive patients so um, we have specialist facilities for the treatment of uh, virus positive so we're looking at HIV positive people, Hep B, Hep C um, and we have dedicated laboratory space specifically for uh, the treatment and storage of virus positive patients. So those people who might unfortunately have Hep B, Hep C maybe HIV, mm-hmm. they can come here and, and what kind of treatments can they receive? Um, so we um, store and bank people who are virus positive. Also, we treat people who are virus positive as well. We're really lucky at the Hewitt Fertility Centre because we often receive um, oncology referrals from Leeds and Manchester because these facilities they don't have the same facilities as we do uh, mm-hmm. with the virus positive labs yeah I think we're one of the few mm-hmm. labs in the UK mm-hmm. uh, I know of one down in London uh, that are able to facilitate the sperm storage and, and ongoing infertility treatment I guess but we're, we're able to facilitate sperm storage for viral positive patients okay. as Amanda said we get referrals from as far away as Leeds Newcastle uh, Manchester um, Many moons ago, we had a referral from up in Glasgow. Okay, also. so all over the UK, Sim- people are pretty well, certainly all, all when over they the north, are in need of these specialised services. The people mm-hmm. coming to the yeah. Hewitt facility, they get center. referred to the Hewitt Centre um, for banking spam if they have um, if they have HIV, Hep mm-hmm. B, Hep C. So what these procedures can actually do is mean that the chances of transferring those diseases to potential children are reduced, eliminated. Or? So with um, we have a sperm washing uh, treatment that we offer as well, uh, especially for HIV patients, Mm -hmm. which we use to um, wash the virus through a series of laboratory procedures um, off of the stored sperm, the sperm sample, and then we can test that sample. 
and store it. And that will give us the information that we need to know through that result that that sperm stored is HIV free. Oh, that's um, and therefore we vastly reduce the chance um, of transferring mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. HIV virus um, to the, the female yeah, partner, course, yeah. which is absolutely yeah. excellent. It's mm. a really good service that we offer. Gives a lot of people the opportunity. I would imagine a lot of these people would thought they would they wouldn't dare to have children, knowing that they carry yeah, such a disease. You know, you a responsible person probably might think that they would mm-hmm. wouldn't dare to you know to yeah, I mean, pose it, the risk. Obviously, um, a lot of these guys work closely uh, with the clinics that they're referred from to keep their viral load down, uh, and they see a great deal of success in doing so. I mean, certainly before before they um, certainly P- HIV patients before they get referred to us, they're required to have a, a, an extremely minimal viral load. Anyway, I say they they reach that through working really really closely with their their clinic, their referring clinic. Um, but obviously. You know they've they've still then taken the choice uh, not to try and conceive naturally because of the risks surrounding it. Um, so it's important that we have a service like ours to um, to wash the sperm out of the semen, mm-hmm. and by doing so, washing potentially any virus virus viroid out of the semen. We then um, take uh, what's left, send a small amount over it to be tested. Uh, using a very, very, very sensitive uh, HIV test, and those results come back as being negative. Also negative, yeah. Okay. So it's... Does the same procedure exist for eggs, or do we only carry this out on sperm? We only carry it out on sperm. Okay. Okay, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up there. That has been very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.